Chapter Fifteen of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen: The Shot in the Pass. Dixie walked hurriedly through the dining room and out upon the rear porch. Her horse was standing where she had left him. Her heart beat furiously as she caught up the reins, but she sprang into the saddle and rode rapidly away. The flood of her temper had brought a disregard of consequence. It was in the glow of her eyes, the lines of her lips, and the tremor of her nostrils as she breathed long and deeply on her flying horse. When she checked Jim she had ridden miles, but not without a course nor without a purpose. Where the roads ahead of her parted to lead down the river and over the elbow pass to Medicine Bend, she halted within a clump of trees almost where she had first seen MacLeod. Beyond the Mission Mountains the sun was setting in a fire like that which glowed under her eyes. She could have counted her heartbeats as the crimson ball sank below the verge of the horizon and the shadows threw up the silver thread of the big river and deepened across the heavy green of the alfalfa fields. Where Dixie sat, struggling with her bounding pulse and holding jim tightly in no one from the ranch or indeed from the up-country could pass her unseen she was waiting for a horseman and the sun had set but a few minutes when she heard a sharp gallop coming down the upper road from the hills all her brave plans terror-stricken at the sound of the hoofbeats fled from her utterly she was stunned by the suddenness of the crisis. She had meant to stop MacLeod and speak to him, but before she could summon her courage a tall, slender man on horseback dashed past within a few feet of her. She could almost have touched him as he flew by, and a horse less steady than Jim would have shied under her. Dixie caught her breath. She did not know this man. She had seen only his eyes, oddly bright in the twilight as he passed but he was not of the ranch. He must have come from the hill road, she concluded, down which she herself had just ridden. He was somewhere from the north, for he set his horse like a statue, and rode like the wind. But the encounter nerved her to her resolve. Some leaden moments passed, and MacLeod, galloping at a far milder pace toward the fork of the roads, checked his speed as he approached. He saw a woman on horseback waiting in his path. Mr. MacLeod, Miss Dunning, I could not forgive myself if I waited too long to warn you that threats have been made against your life, not of the kind you heard today. My cousin is not a murderer, and never could be, I am sure, in spite of his talk. But I was frightened at the thought that if anything dreadful should happen, his name would be brought into it. There are enemies of yours in this country to be feared and it is against these that i warn you good-night surely you won't ride away without giving me a chance to thank you exclaimed macleod dixie checked her horse i owe you a double debt of gratitude he added and i am anxious to assure you that we desire nothing that will injure your interest in any way in crossing your lands i know nothing about those matters because my cousin manages everything it's growing late, and you have a good way to go, so good night. But you will allow me to ride back to the house with you. Oh, no, indeed, thank you. It will soon be dark, and you are alone. 
No, no, I'm quite safe, and I've only a short ride. It is you who have far to go. And she spoke again to Jim, who started briskly. Miss Dunning, won't you listen just a moment? Please don't run away. McLeod was trying to come up with her. Won't you hear me a moment? I've suffered some little humiliation today. I should really rather be shot up than have more put on me. I'm a man and you're a woman, and it is already dark. Isn't it for me to see you safely to the house? Won't you at least pretend I can act as an escort and let me go with you? I should make a poor figure trying to catch you on horseback. Dixie nodded naively. With that horse? With any horse. I know that, said MacLeod, keeping at her side. But I can't let you ride back with me, declared Dixie, urging Jim and looking directly at MacLeod for the first time. How could I explain? Let me explain. I'm famous for explaining, urged MacLeod, spurring too. And will you tell me what I should be doing while you were explaining? she asked. Perhaps getting ready a first aid for the injured. I feel as if I ought to run away, declared Dixie, since she had clearly decided not to. It will have to be a compromise, I suppose. You must not ride farther than the first gate, and let us take this trail instead of the road. Now make your horse go as fast as you can, and I'll keep up. But MacLeod's horse, though not a wonder, went too fast to suit his rider, who divided his efforts between checking him and keeping up the conversation. When MacLeod dismounted to open Dixie's gate and stood in the twilight with his hat in his hand and his bridle over his arm, he was telling a story about Marion Sinclair, and Dixie in the saddle, tapping her knee with her bridle rein, was looking down and past him as if the light upon his face were too bright. Before she could start away she made him remount, and he said good-bye only after half a promise from her that she would show him some time a trail to the top of Bridger's Peak, with a view of the Peace River on the east and the whole Mission Range and the park country on the north. Then she rode away at an amazing run, nodding back as he sat still holding his hat above his head. MacLeod gathered toward the pass with one determination, that he would have a horse and a good one, one that could travel with Jim, if it cost him his salary. He exulted as he rode, for the day had brought him everything he wished, and humiliation had been swallowed up in triumph. It was nearly dark when he reached the crest between the hills. At this point the southern grade of the pass, wind sharply, whence its name, the elbow, but from the head of the pass the grade may be commanded at intervals for half a mile. Trotting down this road with his head in a whirl of excitement, MacLeod heard the crack of a rifle. All the same instant he felt a sharp slap at his hat instinct works on all brave men very much alike mcleod dropped forward in his saddle and seeking no explanation laid his head low and spurred bill dancing's horse for life or death the horse quite amazed bolted and swerved down the grade like a snipe with his rider crouching close for a second shot but no second shot came and after another mile MacLeod ventured to take off his hat 
and put his finger through the holes in it, though he did not stop his horse to make the examination. When he reached the open country the horse had settled into a fast, long stride that not only redeemed his reputation, but relieved his rider's nerves. When McLeod entered his office it was half-past nine o'clock, and the first thing he did before turning on the lights was to draw the window-shades. He examined the hat again, with sensations that were new to him, fear, resentment, and a hearty hatred of his enemies. But all the while the picture of Dixie remained. He thought of her nodding to him as they parted in the saddle, and her picture blotted out all that had followed. End of chapter 15